Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I can render. Tell the one who loves you only, I can be so warm and tender. Call me, don't be afraid you can call me. That was Nancy Wilson with Call Me, her take on the Tony Hatch composed number for Petula Clock, for those of you who'd like to know. Good morning, this is me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM's Jazz Shapers. It's the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul, and I put them alongside their equivalents in the world of business. We call them business shapers here. And I'm very pleased to say that my business shaper this morning is the founder and managing director of money.co.uk, the price comparison site, and his name is Chris Morling. You'll be hearing lots about Chris and his fantastic success story since he grew and has built this business over the last eight or so years. In addition to hearing from Chris, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And then we've got the music, and it's fantastic today. Dr John and Bonnie Raitt's there, Stan Getz is there, and this is another one from Mr Sam Cook. Summertime And the living is easy Fish are jumping and cotton is high. The voice of Sam Cook with Summertime here on Jazz Shapers. Chris Morling is my business shaper today, as I said earlier, and he is the founder and managing director of a business called money.co.uk. The chances are, because there's many millions of you that look every month, that you may well have used the services of this clever business. It's a price comparison site, and in a world where there are thousands, and if not hundreds of thousands of offers, it's become a rather staple place to go if you're going to work out what to do next with your finances. Chris, thank you very much for joining me. How are you? Very well. Good morning. Good morning. Now, tell me, you're a, you're a software guy by, by trade, and um, back in 2000, you made a leap. I think you were working at Oracle, is that right? That's correct, yes. This is a big move, and it always strikes me when people come from the, the comfortable world of, of the corporate and they decide they're going to go and do their own thing. If you can go back 16 years, what prompted the thought that you wanted to start venturing out and doing your own thing? God, my word, 16 years ago. <laughs> That's a thought. I, I, I remember being, being sat with my wife one evening, and we were talking about this website that I'd been creating because I wanted to get into a different area of Oracle and create websites. So I'd been learning about websites, creating them in the evening, and I'd started to develop this site called Finance Link. And she realized that my passion wasn't really, really in my Oracle job and that I was sort of veering towards wanting to create these websites. And I remember sitting down with her one evening and she said, look, why don't you just give up the Oracle job and give it a go? And I don't know if she was being serious, but I took her at her word. And the next morning I resigned from my Oracle job. And four weeks later, on my 31st birthday, I, I started my own business and painted the spare room orange, put a desk in, uh, got an internet connection sorted. My wife bought me a laptop because I couldn't afford one. And away I went. I mean, you look like a sensible guy. Most people say that's not a sensible thing to do. I mean, you know, cosy, comfortable. You're 31 years old. That's a good thing in that sense that I imagine that at that point there are less responsibilities mm-hmm. in, your, in your life. But that's a very brave move. Did, did you think about it much? It sounds like you didn't, and maybe that was the secret. I, th- I don't think it was a secret, but I think um, there's definitely 
uh, value in naivety. And I just had this this drive and passion and thought that it, it wouldn't fail. I, I just didn't think it wouldn't fail. And that, that's not because of arrogance. I think it's because I didn't have the experience to realise where it could have gone wrong. And so I just ploughed in headfirst. I was I think I was lucky that I hit um, a new um, industry at the right time, an industry called affiliate marketing, where you promote other companies' products and services, and in return, you get a commission. And it was right at the start of that. And so there were lots and lots of opportunities if you understood how to create and market websites. And I just got in there at the right time and just basically learned my trade as I went. The mark of a successful founder, they talks about naivety and luck. There you go. We're going to find out much more <laughs> what really happened with my business shaper today. That's Chris Morling, the managing director and founder of money.co.uk. Time for some more music. This is Salim Macron Savant with Underling. You of my life, I have seen no one more blue in my life. And I've dreamt the taste of dew on your lips Many nights of my life All of my dreams are disaster Underling from Cecile McLaurin Salvon. I'm talking to Chris Morling this morning here on Jazz Shapers. He's the founder of money.co.uk. Just for a moment, give me the, the headlines on, on money.co.uk because your revenue now, I mean, I've got figures from a few years ago. Tell me what they are. Um, it must be 25, 35 million, something like that. Um, turnover is 24 and a half million Almost last so. year. So I'm being aspirational for you. <laughs> um, and this, this business over the last year or two, has it started to really pop or has this thing been gradual? Yeah, it has. I mean, I, I grew the business organically uh, over the first few years. Um, although the business has been going 15 years, money.co.uk was only created back in 2008. And to be perfectly honest, you know, I, I took things a bit easy in the early days. I, I think perhaps I was a little bit nervous of competing with the big guys, perhaps a little bit nervous about building a team. But I had a real, real change of heart about three or four years ago and realised, right, if we're going to compete against these big boys and survive, then I'm going to have to focus on one website and create something special and actually grow the business so we can deliver all that functionality to help consumers find the right product for them and that's what I did and it was a real shift in mindset about three and a half years ago where I, I just sort of took the bull by the horns and, and made a decision to grow the business so that we could develop what we were providing to consumers. I want to go back to that 2000 bit where your wife said she bought the laptop and she said do it. Yeah. Those years between 2000 and 2008 and you just said um, as you, you know quite rightly it didn't really you didn't have the money.co.uk business until eight years mm -hmm. in what were you up to in those first few years and how did you get by? Because, again, this conversation often goes in the, if you don't have any money, you can't put food on the table. Where was that happening for you? How right. Was that so, I mean, I was, I was fortunate in the, the business was profitable from month three, which is quite unusual. I think in part because my overheads were virtually zero working from a bedroom. Um, and once I had the laptop, I had all the equipment I needed. What I did was create quite a few websites promoting all sorts of products and services and just adding a little bit of value on top of what you know the shop that was offering the product um, could offer so for example um, created a broadband comparison site a site that, that compared um, florists um, and basically used the same business model across numerous different websites and in the end we had about 50 sites up until about 2007 and all doing a similar thing varying degrees of success but that was why we weren't really excelling in any one particular area, 
because each website was just taking a fraction of our time. Did you, um, the money bit, so you, you basically didn't need very much investment. Was it comforting to know it was yours and that you weren't dependent on someone else's cash or, or dependent on, indeed, uh, doing things that they needed to, that, that they would require you to do? Did you like that freedom? Uh, absolutely, 100%, and I still do now. I mean, what it gives you is 100% free reign to do what you want to do. Uh, You're just a control freak, Chris, basically. <laughs> just another, he looks like a mild-mannered guy, but uh, actually... That's... No, I'm kidding. But, but, it, but, but there is that sense, you obviously knew very early on, that that was right for you. Well, yeah, because it, it, it does give you the flexibility to do what you feel is right for the consumer. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that our competitors don't, but they do have restraints of being owned by bigger corporates or being, you know, beheld to, to shareholders, which means they don't have the same flexibility as we do um, when they're looking at how to develop what they're offering um, even further. So we've been able to kind of go to the nth degree and focus on user experience rather than squeezing the most money we possibly can out of a consumer. You know, and we've, we've, we've thrown millions away, literally, by not pursuing certain um, product areas that we could have made money on because we didn't feel it was the right thing to do, you know, such as PPI. Mm. We could have made a fortune off the back of that, but we felt the right thing was to do was to educate people and just explain very simply how they could put a claim in themselves. The virtue of freedom and yeah. not having loads of backers. Um, you heard it here with Chris Morley, my business shaper, and lots more coming up from him very shortly too. Latest travel in a couple of minutes, and before that, some words of wisdom for your business, I hope, from our programme partners at Michigan Dere. Hi, I'm Greg Campbell. I'm a partner in the employment department at Michigan I've been practising in employment law for 20 years. At Michigan Dere, one of the interesting things we do is we act both for senior executives and for corporate employers. So we do get to see both sides of the debate. A lot of my clients are starting up in business and the questions they ask are, well, what should I be thinking about when I hire new staff? What I would say is the important thing is write down a contract of employment. It doesn't matter that you haven't written one down. There is a contract of employment in existence the moment you hire somebody. By writing it down, you make it clear what each party's expectations are and you minimise the risk of any disputes in the future. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM. Every Saturday morning I get the, the chance and indeed the, the privilege to talk to someone who's shaping the world of business. We've been doing this for a few years now, so it means that there are lots of fantastic people. If you'd like to listen into any one of those past guests, go to iTunes and you will find lots of them over there. If you're travelling with British Airways this summer, you will also hear a few on the High Life channel. Today, though, Chris Morling is my business shaper. He's the founder and managing director of money.co.uk. It's a price comparison business. They're doing rather well because Chris has retained his freedom and independence, and he does things which are right for the consumer. And you mentioned earlier, Chris, about education. I think the thing that strikes me as someone who's relatively educated about different products, although I always kind of think I don't know enough, but I want to find out, there has been historically a dearth of that, and it sounds like you were at the other end. I mean, it's hard to be the white knight, but what for you was so important about the education piece? Well, I mean, yeah, you, you touched on something really important. I mean, we are the industry is called price comparison, but really that is a tiny part of what we do. Um, what we're particularly proud of at, at money.co.uk is combining the really helpful comparison tables 
with um, guides. So the idea is that a consumer can come to the website with any question and we can help guide them through, you know, this complex world of finance and help them understand not, not only what the best product might be for them, but how to look for the best product because that itself can be confusing. There are so many you know, attributes, features, benefits to every product. You really need to understand how these products work in order to understand which one's the best for you. And so we've gone to the nth degree to create some really, really helpful guides to, to help the consumer along in, in that process. Now, obviously, you like software development and obviously you're kind of interested in the world of you know what the software can do for functionality and people can look at different stuff. And you said you had 50 different sites. It strikes me that what you just talked about is more important to you than either of the software development or the world of finance. I mean, in the sense of those, those are end products. But this point about really understanding and giving the consumer the power, has that been the driver for you? And if so, where's that come from, that, that desire to make people, give people the, the power? Yeah, I, I think your drive as you, as you sort of go through this business journey changes. It certainly did for me. If I'm being completely honest, when I started the business 15 years ago, it was about the technology and the love of learning new stuff. You know, I, I created a website and quickly realized, well, you need a skill beyond just coding. You need to be able to market. You need to be able to write editorial. You need to understand accounting. All these different elements I'd never done before. And that was the exciting bit. And then it went on to another level later on when I realized that I, I was creating these websites. I was making money, but I wasn't really feeling any, I don't know, satisfaction from it. And that's when I created money.co.uk because I realized you know, this is only half the battle is, is making the money. It's far more satisfying to create something that you know is helping consumers. And that, without a shadow of a doubt, is has been the drive for the last eight years. And that's what we all get a kick out of at the, in the business. And of course, the, the great thing about our business model is that we can reach literally millions of people every year. So we're not just helping a handful, which in itself would be great. We are literally helping millions of people every year save money, which yeah, feels good. It does feel good, I'm sure, um, and it's a, it's the it's the right thing to do, as you said. And Absolutely. I think that's why it's working. Time for some more music. This is Doctor John and Bonnie Raitt with "I've Got the World on a String." I got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow. Got the string on my finger Where will I? The big sound of Dr. John and Bonnie Raitt with I Got the World on a String. Chris Morley's my business shapers and we've been talking about kind of a bit of mission actually and a bit of purpose. Your business now is at a pretty decent size. How many people do you... Uh, 52 now. 52, all in one place or are they scattered around? Most of us are based in a beautiful castle in Sirencester, a little bit quirky and unusual, absolutely stunning. And then we have a commercial team who are based on Fleet Street up in London. Plans to grow, I imagine. And if so, how does what does that growth look like for you? Because you're... I, I also well, I get a sense around a web-based business is, of course, you don't need millions of people. You need the right people doing the right things. But does 52 need to become 100 for you to double, or is it not like that? Um, I, I don't think so. I think it's a really good question that we, that we sort of struggle with. What is the sweet spot? Now, I, I think we definitely need to grow the business because one of the challenges we have at the moment is we have all these wonderful ideas, fantastic tools to help consumers find the right product. 
but we don't have enough people to deliver them at the speed we want to. So clearly we need more people on board. But at the same time, as, as you'll know, as you grow a business, communication becomes more difficult. You become less efficient. So I do think there's a sweet spot at which we can deliver what we want to deliver, but still keep that kind of uh, startup culture uh, and, and create an environment that's still wonderful to work in. Uh, and at the moment, I'm thinking in a, around 70, 80 is that sweet spot. But hey, I've, I've been running business 100 times before. So um, yeah, I, I probably got that wrong. But all the, just going back to something you said before about, you know, the different drivers at different times, there's a technical piece, and then there's the excitement of all oh, understand accountancy, then there's the, the, the marketing bit. Now, 15 years in, and then eight years specifically on this this project, you must probably have all the different pieces in front of you. And in that decision-making process you're describing around people, I imagine now you're much more finely tuned. Your your brain is able to make these kinds of decisions quicker. If that's true, do you still need people outside the business to kind of guide you? And if they, if, if, if that happens, who are those people? Yeah, so I have a fantastic management team. We don't have a board, but we have a really strong management team. And we collectively, you know, make those difficult decisions in business as to what the priorities are. But I mean, I'm very lucky. I've got a couple of very close friends who also run similar-ish businesses. And I meet up with them regularly. um, And we discuss similar issues. uh, And that's where I get a a lot of my guidance and ideas from. I'm also part of a network um, called The Supper Club. And it's just full of entrepreneurs going through the similar sort of growing pains. Uh, and that's a wonderful means of, of, of garnering um, experience uh, and information from other people who are doing a, something similar. Uh, but you're all at different stages, so you're able to help each other. And it, that really is helpful. I mean, thinking you can go out on your own and make all the decisions yourself is, is foolish, I think. You, you have to be realistic and pull in assistance and help from wherever you can. That, that, that's how you grow. Final chat coming up with Chris, my business shaper today. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Stan Getz. That's after the latest traffic and travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Stan Getz with Balanço no Samba. Chris Morling is with me just for a few more minutes. We've talked about different things that drive you. We've talked about the fact that mission has come through, uh, that the other things are important, but it feels like they're part of the process. They're not the thing that actually takes you to the next place. Is this the one idea for you as an entrepreneur? Is this about some kind of calling, or do you think you're going to do this, you're going to sell the business, you're going to start again? Are you there yet in your head, or are you going, just let me take each day at a time, Elliot? (laughs) Um, Yeah, very, very good question. I mean, I do have a couple of other other businesses that I'm heavily involved with. Um, An electrical comparison site called Kagu. And I'm working with two incredibly smart guys who've created, you know, what is arguably the best electrical comparison site in the UK. Um, I have another website which is allows you to do financial trading online called 3D Markets. Now, neither of those I spend much time in. 
but you know every week I catch up with the guys who are running those businesses and so they introduce you know different issues to what the ones I'm experiencing at money uh, and because I like a challenge I've also gone into business with a friend and we have a property development um, we've just kicked off in Ibiza um, everything I've done today has always has been virtual not real and I really wanted to get my hands onto something material um, and just fancied trying something I'd never even done before um, but going back to your original point I do have a really exciting business idea that I do want to follow up on at some point. When that is, is the big question. Um, it's not in the finance industry. It's something completely different. It's not something that even exists in the world at this point, although it is online. How long I stay with the business for, I don't know at this point. Um, certainly the next couple of years, because there's so many things I still want to see through to fruition. And I think that there's that competitive streak within me that wants to be able to compete head to head with the big boys in the industry, the guys that are spending tens of millions of pounds on advertising every year. And I think I want to prove to myself that we can compete with them on a level pegging on a much, much smaller budget with a much smaller team by just being a bit clever with how we spend our money and creating more efficient processes and using technology in cleverer ways. So I'm in for the next few years, absolutely. The last question I'm going to squeeze in, these ideas, where are they all coming from? Is it you close your eyes, you just happen, or do you just keep on talking to people, you keep on reading? Where's the inspiration from? Because people listening will go, this guy's got serious numbers of ideas over here. I I think anybody who's passionate about a, a subject matter sees things that other people don't see. doesn't matter what it is. If you envelop your whole life in this subject, in this area, whether it's music, whether it's websites, whether it's sports, you see things and hear things that nobody else sees and you, you, you make connections that other people don't recognise and you're able to, to, to put together ideas um, that, that, that come to you naturally without any effort, not because you know, you're a genius, simply because you're, in it. you're thinking about it the whole yeah. time. Chris, it's fantastic and thank you for, for clearing that bit up. I think that's going to be very helpful for people going, OK, Pleasure. I need to get really focused. Um, <laughs> just before we let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? I've chosen uh, Do I Move You version two by Nina Simone. Um, I remember hearing this song when I first uh, moved to Manchester as a student. I remember very clearly being sat in a room. Somebody put this track on and I thought, wow, there's life beyond Def Leppard and and Marillion. Um, I was a bit of a glam rock geek. um, And I just thought, wow, I love blues. And this Nina Simone woman, she's something else. Here it is. Thank you so much, Chris. That was Nina Simone with Do I Move You, version two, the song choice of my business shaper today, Chris Morling. Super understated for such a successful person. Incredibly considered. If you listen to the way he talks about things, you just know he's thought it through. And yet, conversely, thousands and absolutely thousands of ideas that that focus on one area, as he said, enveloping him and enabling him to make connections that others just can't make. Brilliant stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place, 9am sharp, next Saturday morning for another appointment with me here on Jazz FM for Jazz Shapers. In the meantime, though, coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal.